how you, you run yourself uh, ragged over there's there. There's so many things. Jeez going Louise. On. All right. I, I'll, here, I'll start it with this. All right. <laughs> with this non firing. Why is it not playing all of a sudden? It worked in rehearsal. It worked in rehearsal. <laughs> that, that one works. <laughs> Did our I want our 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 old timey mute? Oh, now it's back. Maybe it's, it's haunted. <laughs> See, I really want to try to do like a remix of this and use it for a new opening. But like, how do you add a beat, a sick beat to this? With my limited skill. Well, if anyone can remix this. If this isn't a sick beat, what is? Come on. It slaps. It slaps, as the it's, kids it say. Oh, so I'm going to start this a second. So I uh, got this in Sunday school. It was one of our crafts from Mother's Aww. Day. And it's a tiny, tiny bl- a little balloon that says, My Mom Rules. And it's got like a little, you can feel inside, a uh, little spongy thing. So sc- I think squeeze that, whatever that is. Okay. It's going to go. It's not going to. I mean, this is for three-year-olds. So no, that's not going to. Is there Does a it way? Open? Does it pop? I think it might pop like a glow stick or snap. Yep. There we go. So what is happening now that? And then there's a chemical reaction, and so it's it's expanding. Right. The gas is expanding in there, and so it's what it, I guarantee you what this is. There's a little bit of vinegar in there, and a packet or a little bit of of uh, uh, baking soda, baking soda in there, and a little packet of vinegar. And I just exploded the vinegar, which. Oh, it. Yeah, totally. It that's exactly. That's so, exactly what it is. Wow. So I was on oh, this a little bit cold. Yep. I was thinking that there was just some sort of sponge, in, like one of those purple mattresses or whatever, where they like mail it in an envelope, and yep. then somehow it becomes a king size bed. I thought it was that sort of thing because it really does, and it's oh. still it's still going, but like it really, really puffs this balloon. That's up to really quite cool. The, yeah. Quite the extreme. Yeah, yeah, they're like the little balloons you see like on flower arrangements um, that aren't filled with air. But yeah, Aww. I mean, they are filled with air, but we didn't paint it. It's, it's no, uh, yes, it was uncolored. I just uncolored. had it in my pocket forever because I thought it was the <laughs> neatest thing and thought that it was a sponge in there. But you're right. That must be a little packet of uh, vinegar in oh, interesting. a I'll pool to, of uh, baking soda. Open, cut that open later. Nice. Well, when <clears throat> when you were off doing that... Um, I saw a field uh, that had 30 cows, 28 chickens, and uh, how many did not? I'm sorry, I had a mouthful. I had a mouthful of something waiting for that sentence to end when it came a lot faster than I thought. So it had 96 chickens. It had 30 cows, 28 chickens, and how many did not? Oh, I don't. Okay, so the answer is 10. How did we get there? I, what? There were 38, 30 cows, 28 chickens. Oh, hold on here. (laughs) I don't like jokes that make me feel stupid, Mark. (laughs) How many did not? 20. 20 did not? 30 cows, 28 chickens, oh. 10 did not. So 10, wait, 30, <laughs> 10, 20, right? 20 did not? 28 chickens. <laughs> but there were, thir- oh, so two. Wait. <laughs> Mark. 30 cows. 
Why isn't this working all the 20 time? 20 of them ate chickens. <laughs> or, uh, as we would say in English, 28 chickens. <laughs> Leaving 10 that did not. <laughs> That's all. Okay. Well, you kept looking at me like I was saying 10 wrong. I was going to boo and then I got confused at 20 all the time. And whatever. Uh, so we watched Madam X, uh, uh, at our household last night. Okay. So go, so this is the, this is the portion of the show where whoever needs to go get coffee or go to the bathroom while Todd talks about Madonna. So Madam X, which was uh, Madonna's last tour, uh, which went like two, it was been two years cause it got, um, the very last couple tours got shut down because <coughs> the of COVID. The last 18, oh, concert, 18 concerts got canceled after, uh, you know, uh, basically she, she was performing through the first week in March and had 18 shows left and okay. all 18 got canceled. Wow. And half of the shows up to that point were canceled because of her, she had like massive hip and knee injuries oh, and really? I, got I, a hip replacement afterwards, but oh, man. or not a, well, something, some surgery on her. Huh. Um, but yeah, so I have been waiting cause it was, um, so this concert of hers, usually she's the Big, huge spectacle, biggest show on earth, whatever, blah, blah, blah. This huge last stadium tour, shows. Yeah. Yep. Um, this last tour was done in places probably more, maybe bigger than the schnitzer, but that sort of idea where it is very much. I, I would say probably a schnitzer. Okay. Yeah. yeah I couldn't kind of gauge how big that auditorium <clears throat> yeah, was. Yeah. It looked it was, like maybe the Keller is schnitzer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Keller. Uh, so yeah, very much a theater, theater, theater tour, you know, a more intimate setting. She talked usually in her concert, she doesn't talk to crowds, blah, blah, blah. So it was like this whole theatrical experience, um, that, and she had residencies in different cities. Like she was in a week in New York and then a week in here and there. And, and, um, so uh, I couldn't go because I think it maybe went to San Francisco was the closest places. But of course, tickets were out of this world expensive and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't get to go. And so I've been waiting two years for it to come out on video so I could see it. And so I've been all excited. And thankfully, you had the Paramount Plus uh, subscription f- for some reason. And so I didn't have to get my I didn't have to get a free trial. And so. It came out on Friday, so I watched it Friday night. Um, but I am interested in. Did you know what that tour was? Did you know, I, kind of I know what to expect? <clears throat> nothing. I knew nothing about like I okay. knew the title M- at Madame X, but I didn't know if it was a documentary or a movie or right. a concert okay. show or, or anything. It, it turns out it's it, it's mostly concert footage uh, with some little splices of context uh, in between. And, uh, and so it's her stage show. Um, <clears throat> we have only been to one Madonna concert before in, um, in Florence, Italy. And we, we had terrible seats and it was just a massive arena and it was, was it outdoor? super hot. It was outdoors Ugh. and super hot, uh, during the day. And it, it started after night because she showed up three and a half hours late. Of course she uh, and so or she would say the queen always arrives on time. Exactly. <laughs> and so there was this crappy DJ yeah. playing for, you know, forever before that. And, yeah. and we didn't have anybody to chat with locally, uh, you know, because they spoke. What Italian a, yeah, what a terrible experience. Yeah, it, it, it was pretty, pretty. I always see those huge European venues and they'd look so unappealing because it's just <laughs> seas of people that and yep. you can't even see the stage or what's going no, yeah, on or was, what just uh, yeah it it was 
uh, it was good to have that under our belt. Of yeah. Going, we have been to a Madonna concert yeah. and, and a kind and, of a neat, quote a unquote, experience ven- venue than normal and and all that stuff. So, uh, and so that was our experience. And of course, you know, uh, I'm I'm not a the consummate Madonna fan, but I've you know enjoyed her music since uh, the you celebrate the her 80s. entire catalog, <laughs> totally. uh, mostly. <laughs> and uh, and so I uh, I appreciated the show. It was it I thought uh you know i exclaimed to nick several times that she gets the best choreographers in the planet uh, yeah. the the choreography was incredible mm-hmm. and 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 always is for her shows and, and yeah. the, uh and so she also had a message uh it was very message driven of uh artists are here to disrupt the piece and uh, and so it was a lot of that talk and and messaging and Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter and just like there was a lot going going on uh, from kind of preachy level as well mm-hmm. um, and and so as a middle of the road Madonna fan it it was fine for me and I imagine that your experience as being uh a madonna affeccionato uh might have a (laughs) like for me that glass of red wine was perfectly a red wine okay well no that's good that's that's good to hear because i i didn't i didn't enjoy it but i didn't enjoy how it was presented so i was excited because usually in and all of our other concerts, I have usually come out on DVD so you can watch it afterwards. And the problem is, and like all the Madonna fans will complain about this in their little, in their little forums and stuff like that, how they are so overly edited. Like it's not just a lot of cuts, but then there's like flashes of other imagery yeah. on like the background. And it's like, we didn't get to go to the show. Like we who have didn't get to see it in person. Like I want to see the costumes and the choreography, like as a yeah. thing. And like, if you look at older <clears throat> tours, like not just hers, but everybody else's, like it was, you know, you maybe had five or six cameras that you keep cutting back to, you know, medium, right. clo- whatever, but hers are so overly edited when they're, before they're presented to you. And so I was excited for this one. I'm like, maybe we will just get like what it's like to tape a th- theatrical show like i mean they've done book more like when they do yeah. those types of shows but again this one was so, so overly it, edited yeah it really for was. what it was it, i mean it was supposed to be this intimate experience you know all of that and it was just like i couldn't make heads or tails of like because the stage was also neat too so it was yeah it was kind of like if you would go see like west side story or whatever they had a few basic backdrops that are just painted white like some of them were stairs one of them had like this big round thing in it but they and i knew this going in they use like this newest technology and like projection technology so everything was a screen so like one little set was a like a boat not a bodega but you know a cafe or something like that yep. in in um um i forget the country portugal yeah and so like then all of that, like different sets were projected onto the white to make it look like a set. And like, it was this really super neat technology that I was also interested in that like, we just didn't get any, any of that through what, how we were, how it was taped and stuff like that. So yeah. I was super disappointed in that, but it's interesting to see as a kind of a middle of the road fan, if you enjoyed it, because yeah. it was mostly music from her latest album. Like she sang, yep. I think Vogue and like a prayer may have been the only the only two older songs that she sang and the rest yeah. of them were from the new album, which is also not like a, what's the fire on the piano? Was that, 
was that after effects it must have been because i was looking at that too because there was no mechanism and she was just laying on it so it's not like there were pipes or anything like that so i think that was added afterwards which i did think that was weird too because i'm like (laughs) that piano's on fire the piano's on fire and they're not saying anything about it she's not like it just playing off of it right or whatever yeah so i think that was i think that was added okay and i mean i do hate to say it i i I, I'm wondering if it was so kinetic because I don't know if she can support a close-up uh, quite sure, as much sure, sure. anymore. So that was a little... So we we also watched the Jimmy Fallon interview, and, oh, yeah, which yeah. was bonkers and fun and, and yeah. just see he's such a fanboy and, and, yeah, yeah. and other things. And she looks stunning, I, I think. Uh, and in the... Not as a criticism, but as a... Uh, appreciation of medical science (laughs) like her face looks magnificent and science still hasn't figured out how to de-age a neck uh or hands which is why she's never had her hands uncovered for the last 20 years she's always wearing gloves gloves. yeah yeah and so i see and i kind of disagree because like and she's dave baylor of not nerd um sent me like because i'll see I don't use Instagram a lot, but I'll see what she put, po- what Madonna posts on it. And it's just like the cringiest, like worst stuff, but like super face. She always looks like an alien gray. <laughs> and so I'm sure, I'm sure she's had surgery, but what she mostly does. And I think what a lot of people do because it's not as permanent is the fillers. Right. So like your skin no longer bounces back. Well, you have to fill it much, much like this balloon I'm holding. <laughs> You had to keep filling there, it up. It did look like there, and so you can always there were like cheek panels. Yeah, yeah, and it's always everyone looks like Janice Dickinson. They get yeah. that downward turned yeah. mouth and like the weird cheeks and 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 I it gets like when you first get it, it's super tight, but then it's like lumpy and like yeah. it's it's. I mean, and everyone may do what they would like. Tilly, Tilly, Madonna and, is not going to take my advice. Tilly, <laughs> and, and I wasn't put off by any, yeah. anything like that. She, she, I'm, she did look normal comparatively to her own Instagram sure, feed. Sure. I will say she is an icon yeah. uh, and has been incredibly influential in music and pop culture, you know, for 40 years. It's interesting. This is how long are we going to, oh, this is my, no, this is my dream. Um, <laughs> But uh, now there's like five, because for the longest time there wasn't, now there's like five different Madonna podcasts. One of them really interesting, this guy from England who's like this music something producer of some kind, but he'll find the the um, the stems of the audio track. So every track broken out like voice, drum, and like oh, he'll yeah. go through how they assemble oh, the song and all that. But um, so just listening back to that and finding on YouTube all of these millennials like reacting to Madonna for the first time. And they'll like, they'll watch like a prayer and everyone and like, and it just blow or they'll watch the erotica video or like justify my love. And like, everybody is still scandalized, but they're like, wow, she was this message of, of, um, ex- ex- well, expressing yourself and doing what you want. And I somebody put it of like culture kept trying to give her their shame and she wouldn't take it. <laughs> That's a really great interesting. Statement. Yeah. And and the same thing, it was interesting, happened to um, Vanessa Williams in the 80s. After she got uh, to be Miss America, there were pictures of her um, published in Playboy. So it was like this big scandal. And in both of those cases, um, and the same thing happened to Madonna. Because like in the 70s, like what do out of work college kids do? They pose for an art class. Right. And so like there's nude photos of them just from some dude's 
you know, senior thesis or whatever. And then people get famous and then those um, pictures sell and are printed. And like back then it's like, first you think they do it after they've gotten famous, like as basic consumers, you kind of don't realize those are from the past or whatever. And then how much shame, like even Vanessa Williams, like had to come out and like, I'm sorry for having a body or whatever she had to do. And, and like Apollo, which is now like, um, like everybody's aware, like you don't, you, what, what, there's a term for like retroactively trying to post somebody's nude, like, in re- revenge porn, I think they, right. they like when you take somebody else's done. Right. So like now that's like, well, people used to just take people's nude photos without their permission and put them in Playboy magazine. And like, that's crazy to think about. But I remember when it happened to Madonna, she, she ended up saying like, I'm not ashamed of that. And like, right. that was scandalous. Right. And like just this autonomy and power and like <laughs> all of that stuff. And so I've kind of been revisiting it through the eyes of like people who have no other context and like just to see how consistent her messaging is not just with like bodily autonomy and sexuality and, and all of that, but like AIDS, her and Elizabeth Taylor mm. were the first ones yeah. like before the president to talk <sighs> about AIDS and put AIDS material in their albums in the 1980s and like right. all this stuff. And it's, it is phenomenal to just kind of look back and see like everything that she's accomplished, just which is crazy. And it's like, no wonder she really is. And, I, I remember the phenomena of her sex book, uh, like yeah. people lining up and freaking out and, yeah. and, 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 you know, just, and that next summer Todd stories. being very excited at a bookstore in Yakima, Washington, <laughs> finding a very rare French edition of that because I think they printed way too many French editions. So like most of the people who are able to get one, they're like, all they had left was the French version, <laughs> which is good because the text of that book is terrible. <laughs> But even she was giving this speech, she got um, like the woman of the year award from somewhere other (laughs) Ms. Magazine or something. It was was a bigger deal than that. But or no, it's from, um, I think, the RIAA, maybe woman of the year, something, some big woman of the year. And this was like in 2015. And she said, she's like, people keep expecting me to apologize for the sex book. Like they all want like when it came out, oh, you're going to be so ashamed of this. She's like, I'm not ashamed. And she's like, even Camille Paglia, who was a famous mm-hmm. feminist came out and like basically called me a sellout and a whore of feminism. And Madonna said, I had to think like, oh, so if you're a feminist, you're not allowed to have sexuality. Like that's the message we're sending. And so it's been interesting to see right. like in this cancel culture, like to see like that consistent message, how it lines up with a lot of the things that we talk about today, which is fascinating. Uh, I used to, uh, there was like a six month period where I idolized Camille uh, uh, Paglia. Paglia. Uh, yeah, and I don't really know much more about as her I was, other than... I was, as I was exiting the Navy and really wrestling with, with sexuality, she had some incredible, insightful things about uh, gay culture versus right. culture, everything. So it, it was, it was part of that l- lesson learning period for me of like trying to, yeah, trying to figure, figure things out. out. Yeah. Now we got it all figured out. Yep. I'm done. <laughs> anyway, let's talk. Should we? So <clears throat> squid game, Mark. Oh, squid game. So should we speak of it? Like, it, uh, so if I, you I guess there's not a lot of spoilers except for like the, yeah. The if you haven't seen squid game and you want to be Man. fully surprised, 
then uh, go ahead and skip forward uh, two minutes. Uh, but the uh, I I loved you know eight ninths of it or whatever. <laughs> yes, and um, I was astonished at the visuals and the set and the the characters and the the humanity and the uh what greed brings out in people and mm. you know just just all this stuff and it just all crumbled in the last <laughs> episode for me like yes. it was yeah, it was i was almost really disappointed. retroactively a little upset that <laughs> i had been so unvexed because i watched i mean the like you said eight ninths of it is is great the payoff not so much um it reminded me a lot of kind of the the lost journey yeah like never before has like such an intriguing premise kind of faltered a little bit although i kind of like to go back and revisit lost to yeah. see see i mean i'm sure it's a lot better in a bingeable way than it was having to wait week to week and then yeah. over the summer and then through a writer strike and like all of this stuff that happened to Lost. Oh, the writer so. strike was that um what uh, there was something i was gonna say about squid game, squid game. um but yeah, the, uh, set, the sets and the the way it's shot and and acted and and put together is really really cool to look at and visually and the ideas and and all of that. The design is great and all those colorful Escher staircases and like surrealistic playgrounds. The costumes and, are phenomenal. And, yeah, and yeah, and we love. The characters. So and just, I you know. watch through episode eight and then make up your own ending. <laughs> then make up your it own. Because will ending. probably be a little more satisfying. <sighs> uh, well, what it felt like. This is what I was gonna say. What yeah. it felt like was, up until eight, they thought that this was a one season venture, and then the ninth episode, they're like, oh, oh we have to make a season two let's maybe change this. you're right because it was a setup for season two hundred percent it's just kind of it doesn't feel like it ruins a thing but it is funny when you find that out you're like oh, oh. i thought this was just our special little <laughs> our special little thing that would not right. be tinkered with right but uh it, so that's that's what i feel yeah happened you're is they right. took a good story that probably had a great ending yeah and then they're like okay make make five seasons out of this yeah and well that's exactly what happened to lost they had four yeah. seasons and they're like right. abc's like no no you, no no you don't take something off the it's, air when it's doing well silly you have to <laughs> stretch this out five more years <laughs> we we learned our lesson from uh uh, uh with jim j bullock um that <laughs> one day at a time no 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 um uh hollywood too squares close, too close oh, too close for comfort yeah too close for comfort they it was the number one show on the air and they took it off the air. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So somebody oh, else Jim. picked it up. Or, or they went to syndication. Okay. Um, <clears throat> cool. So I'm just so fast and this balloon is so, I guess that'll be your cover image. This balloon is so full. <laughs> it's pretty satisfying. Well, let's go into a little bit of the news here now that we're done talking about Madonna 25 <laughs> minutes into the show. And Squid Game. And Squid Game. Well, kind of a follow-up from last week's story, uh, 20 attorneys general file a complaint to block U.S. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy's 10-year uh. budget plan. Uh, the complaint is brought uh, to the Postal Regulatory Commission uh, following before fully ruling out the proposed changes. Quote, with little regard for the process or the consequences, these proposals threaten to put our democracy and our people at risk, said Attorney General Rob Bonta 
said to NPR in August, the Postal Service announced its standard for first class mail delivery was met 83.6 of the time during the quarter ending in June, which is um, down from 88.9% last year. I was wondering if there are stats available for people for like FedEx or UPS or what that number would be for because it seems low, but I don't know what to compare it to. So this, uh, the standard great. for first class mail <clears throat> delivery was met 83.6% of, percent percent of the, of the time. time. Yeah, it does seem seem low. It doesn't seem as low as what we felt it like. Right. Uh, so. And I've never, outside of the stickers <clears throat> that I ordered for from, from, from my friend Dr. RIP, I don't think I've ever had anything lost or... Like gone bad. One thing was a little uh, chewed up once, but other than that, I don't think I've had really any problems with the mail. So uh, Nick has a business where he mails things out. Oh right, and and up until six or eight months ago, everything was awesome, and about six or eight months ago, everything went to hell, and it it's basically doubled the lead time. Uh, lots of things are lost in the mail. Uh, just uh, he will, you know, uh, gets the registered, uh, sticker, you know, the, the postage and he, uh, from his computer, it's registered, but they have to scan it in at the post office and they are never doing that now. And so there's no active tracking for the customers and so the customers are like well it looks like you started the process a week ago but clearly you haven't done your job and so he gets just a flood Uh. of these messages and then three days later it'll show up which was like four days after it should have right uh and and no tracking it it just it's it's really uh not good and, and getting worse and it affects small businesses it affects uh families it affects a lot of VA benefit people because yep. all of the and medications yep. and, and things are, are sent to and me. rural by, areas. Yep. Totally. So, uh, so it's not just trying to destroy our democracy. It, it really <laughs> uh, undermines our, our everything, <laughs> the, the fabric of our nation. Yes. Well, who recommends groundbreaking malaria vaccine for children at risk, Mark? Bill Gates. The who? The who? Not the band. The World Health Organization uh, is recommending uh, children to get a groundbreaking malaria vaccine uh, for the high P. falciparium malarium transmission. This is a historic moment. The long-awaited malaria vaccine for children is a breakthrough for science, child health, and malaria control. More than 260,000 African children under the age of five die every year from malaria. Um, In recent years, who... And its partners have been reporting a stagnation in, pro- in the progress against the deadly disease. So the vaccine is a result of 30 years of research and development by the GSK and uh, through other partnerships. Uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation provided catalytic funding for late stage development uh, between 2001 and 2015. So that is great news uh, for that region of the world to finally rid themselves of that disease. Uh, AT&T, I found this interesting and the article was mostly about something else, but I, there was one part that I wanted to talk about. So, uh, the Dallas based AT&T is the world's largest communication, 
is the I'm the world's largest communication company right now. Uh, world's largest communication company has quietly become a powerful player in conservative politics. It is the primary source of funding for One America News, which is that OANN pop-up what? network. Uh, and according to this article, a network that spreads conspiracy, uh, conspiracy theories about the election and COVID-19 based on a Reuters investigation, uh, at and owned television platforms account for 90% of OANN's revenue, according to sworn testimony by an accountant. So isn't that crazy? Uh, it, I, I have so many uh, yeah, uh, so pieces I just, of anger in my body. I right just now. thought that was, that was fascinating. Wow. Um, well, the U.S. Forest Service approves a new long-lasting fire retardant from Boise, Idaho. They um, It will significantly aid in fighting increasingly, dis- increasingly destructive wildfires by stopping them before they ever start. The Forest Service approved Parameter Solutions fire retardant that is intended to be used as a preventative measure and can last for months. It's similar to the red dye dropped from aircraft uh, on active fires, but it's clear and it's sprayed by ground-based workers and equipment. Uh, it's a real game changer. Once you treat it, you can forget it, they said. Hmm. Um, they said its primary use will be by industrial customers such as utility companies and railroads, but it can be used to protect residential and commercial properties. It's intended to be sprayed on vegetation, not the homes themselves, but can be sprayed on things such like wood, fen- uh, wood fences. But I, I heard that 30% of the plants are, are uh, rejecting the mandate to be, <laughs> be vaccinated against their fire. <laughs> I might give you all two minutes and 11 seconds. Don't do that. (laughs) That's funny. Ah, well, this is, this is a story that it's the kind of story I wanted to hear. Like think as a kid thinking about what it would be like in 2020 and 2021, this is the story I would be expecting to hear. So NASA is going to launch a November mission to deflect devastating asteroids from hitting earth by nudging it with the spacecraft. So it's a mission to deflect an asteroid uh, known as the Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART. The U.S. Space Agency will send the spacecraft to to a pair of asteroids, the Didymus Binary, aboard the uh, SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket. DART will smash one of the two asteroids known as Diddy Moon. So it's the Didymus Binary and the Diddy Moon. Is that... I a reference to something or I don't I don't think so. Don't <laughs> P. Diddy is sponsoring <laughs> this asteroid. That's what asteroids are just gonna be giant billboards getting closer and closer to Earth in the future <laughs> until it destroys us all. Um it's gonna smash into so Dart will smash into it at roughly thirteen thousand five hundred miles per hour on October second. Oh, Oh, 2022. In doing so, it will change the speed of Diddy Moon a fraction of a percent, but will be enough that they can measure it, uh, its altered orbit. One of two asteroids Diddy Moon is most likely to hit the Earth. Um, so they're basically uh, um, Armageddon style <laughs> trying to figure out right. how to how to blow up asteroids and, and <clears throat> get them off course just in case. Um, one would be headed towards Earth. So that's a very cool and interesting story, I thought. Um, This is part of a much longer, much more complex thing, but the um, 
overview is the government secretly ordered Google to identify anyone who searched for a person, uh, a sexual assault victim's name, address, and telephone number. It's a rare example of a so-called <clears throat> keyword warrant. And with a number of search terms included, it's the broadest on record. So before this latest case, only two keyword warden warrants had been made public. One in 2020 asked for anyone who had searched for the address of an arson victim who was a witness in the government's racketeering case against singer R. Kelly. And a number in 2017 revealed that a Minnesota judge signed up off on a warrant asking Google to provide information on anyone who searched a fraud victim's name from within the city of Adena where the crime took place. So basically, uh, like, yeah. So, that boy, that really opens up a lot of weird implications. Yes. Um, Search word uh, warrants, I would think. Maybe we should just say no right away before it gets too complicated. But I don't know if it helps solve the... I mean, this is just the eternal questions man has been asking forever, but we're just having to see it through different layers of technology now. Uh, we're okay with mask mandates, Mark. Are you all of a sudden not okay with this? If you uh, Do you have something to hide, Mark? <laughs> if you didn't have something uh, to hide, you shouldn't be afraid. I yeah, we we were in downtown Silverton, Silverton uh, Oregon yesterday and there was a a wall dedicated to uh, healthcare workers complaining about the fact that they are quitting because they don't want to get a approved vaccine by the fda uh and and all the sentiment was all the things that you just said yes yes well so far only five billion doses have been given right and it's been approved by the fda and all the things and but it might give you a tale so yes well the complaint i heard from a real life person this week uh voicing his concern was that you're not allowed to if something goes wrong, sue Pfizer for going wrong because it's under this emergency thing. Like, I just want to make sure that if something happens, I'd be able to sue. It's like, wow, that's a, okay. I mean, I guess, but, hmm. and then I didn't. And then, so I looked it up and they're like, there is a special clause that like, if something happens, yes, you can get, you can take legal actions. Of, so of, of course. course. So anyway, I did my own research. Look, <laughs> look for a keyword warrant near you. Uh. Uh, not planning for a real ID. So the identification requirements at the TSA will be changing starting May 2023. A standard ID like a driver's license won't work anymore. It may sound like a long way away, but it's not. It's barely more than a year and a half, which is crazy to think. They say if you're traveling by plane is more important to you, you should replace your standard ID with a real ID now, even before your license expires. Other forms of identification like a passport will work after May 2023, but can take time to uh, get a new one or renew it. So if you are a person that travels, especially on airplanes, it might be worth looking into getting a real ID. Now, I think I opted out of it last time because it was like expensive, like even getting a passport is expensive. So I'm surprised that there expensive. are ways. I don't know anything about real ID. Honestly. Yeah. It's some sort of, I don't, I don't know what the point of it is. Like if we all have license, like, okay, so this real ID must have some physical security aspects to it because otherwise wouldn't they be like, well, we'll just expand the amount of information we keep like in your driver's license or social security file. Like we already have places to put the things that they want to know about us. Like why start a whole new thing 
to learn the same things that they probably already know. Uh, so it doesn't make sense. More, we'll, Mark and Talk Guys will investigate, <laughs> which we will not investigate. <laughs> Our last story, a 2,700-year-old toilet was found in Jerusalem. Israeli archaeologists have found a rare ancient toilet in Jerusalem dating back more than 2,700 years when private bathrooms were a luxury. And, <laughs> and mom came in and was pissed that the lid was up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Israeli Antiquities Authority said the smooth carved limestone toilet was found in a rectangular cabin that was part of a sprawling mansion overlooking what is now the old city of Jerusalem. Wow. It was designed for comfortable sitting with a deep septic tank dug underneath. Um, quote, a private toilet cubicle was very rare in activity, antiquity and only a few were found to date. Only the rich could afford the toilets. Um he said, adding that a famed rabbi once suggested to be well, once suggested that to be wealthy is to quote have a toilet next to his table. Uh-huh. Which, yeah. I don't know if that placement is great, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that idiocracy recliner that's just a toilet so that you don't have to get up. We should watch that together. Uh, I, it I still holds it up. I've watched it. I watched about, it. I think about maybe, a year ago. I was going to say a year yeah, or two ago. That. Go away. Um, animal, let's see. Only the rich, blah, 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 to have a toilet next to a stable. Animal bones and pottery found in the septic tank could shed light on the lifestyle and diet of people living at the times, as well as ancient diseases. The archaeologists found stone capitals and columns from the area and said it was evidence of a nearby garden with orchards and aquatic plants. More evidence that those living there were quite wealthy. So, and it is, let's see if I have the picture of said toilet. It just looks like a... Oh, I got rid of that long ago. <laughs> so never mind. It looks like a slab of limestone with a hole cut out of it. So <laughs> picture that in your Super head. Super fancy. Yes. Nice. All right. Well, hold on here. As our transition. Do something else. Do my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> they sell shirts. One of the podcasts I listen to has a shirt that says, do something else. Do my eyebrows. <laughs> Do something else. Do my eyebrows. Oh, so rude. Do something else. Okay, stop. I'm doing... Okay. So from what I hear, Mark, we're staying in space again. That was my plan. (laughs) Are we crashing back to Earth? We are crashing back to Earth in a big way. Okay. And so uh, my my plan uh, coming up very soon is the launch of the James Webb Space Telescope. And there's a lot to talk about that. So I plan on reaching out to uh, Dr. Ethan Siegel, uh, who is our local astrophysicist. And he was uh, somehow related to the team that worked on James Webb. And he definitely has a lot of knowledge. I don't know if we will be able to get him on the podcast or not, but uh, I'm going to try. And okay. so, awesome. so that, that's my plan with that. Uh, but we're going to talk about an entirely different subject. Oh, nice. Uh, and so the date was uh, Sunday, October 2nd, 1977. I was six years old and a member of the Dodgers fan club. There was a Dodger game against uh, the... Is this uh, the origin of the high five? It is. Thank you for ruining everything. So, yes. I think we talked about it. We did, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. Okay, okay. And so, um, 
Because I think it was it wasn't a it might have been a Warwick, but it was a very a very brief mention. It, it was a brief mention, okay. and we're going to go a little bit deeper. Oh, with nice. It. So uh, I was six years old. I was a member of the Dodger fan club, and um, I wasn't at this game, but I guarantee that uh, my dad watched it, and so I probably saw this happen. witnessed it yeah, happen. Witness hap- this happened. So um, <clears throat> the Dodgers had already cinched. Um, the playoffs but they were playing uh and i keep on i think they're playing the astros um and yeah they were playing the houston astros they were already had a had a they'd cinched getting into the finals but um ron say steve garvey reggie smith and dusty baker were all in line to be the first home run quadruplets uh in in uh, baseball history where each of them were going to exceed 30 home runs uh, total for the season. The problem was Dusty Baker hadn't yet reached 30. He was at 29. And so there were three that were uh, 30 or above and then Dusty Baker sitting there at 29 uh, as the anchor. And so um the Astros for the Dodgers, the Dodger game. So it's the bottom of the sixth inning. Dodgers were down two to zero. <clears throat> First up at bat, Manny Mota. He knocks a ball deep into uh, the left field for a home run, and the crowd goes wild. So now we're at two to one. Uh, Vic DeVillo uh, gets up to bat, pops a fly to left field, and uh, it was caught, and he's out. Rafael. Ladistoy goes to bat three strikes he's out so now we're we're two outs we're down by a run and the next two people come up to bat so Dusty Baker is coming up to the plate and in the uh, pr- uh, preparation circle uh, yeah, uh, was then rookie Glenn Burke and so Dusty Baker waits for his pitch knocks it into deep Center field. And makes a home run. And so as he comes home, Glenn Burke, who is this rookie, he's going to be next up and he is pumped. (laughs) He's so excited. He's thrilled. The crowd is going wild. He's full of enthusiasm. And he raises his hand. And 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 so he raises his hand for a high five. And and Dusty Baker, as he comes around, is confused. He doesn't know what to do. And so he just slaps his hand. And that is the origin of the high five. I go all over the country. People ask me, hey, man. This is Dusty Baker. Know, did you invent the high five? I was like, no, I didn't invent the high five. All I did was respond to Glenn. So wow. He, he, so he gets credited for the invention of the high five, and it was actually Glenn Burke who had, who was uh, just full of enthusiasm, full of emotion, and just did something. Right? Yeah. And so this is the first recorded a, a appearance of the high. 1977. So there were lots of references to low fives before that point, and including 
in jazz culture and black culture and there's movie references with with uh, Laurel and Hardy and, and okay. doing slapping low five dads uh, everywhere yeah. doing the down low too slow <laughs> totally but they never went above their never, head never thought about it they never went up high they never went up high and so the high five the first recorded instance was that october 1977 wow. and so that began the wonderful origin of the high five and the uh so from that point on, so that was 1977, 1980, it becomes part of the Oxford English Dictionary as a noun, and in 1981 becomes a verb, uh, is added as a verb as well. So it was a thing, and then it was a thing to do. Right. And so uh, 80 and 81, it gets into our official lexicon, and then... Um, the it's dot, really fast. I mean, kind totally. of thinking about how long it takes things to take hold <laughs> well, like that. With the next year, uh, after 77, Dodgers really glommed onto it and called okay. it the high five. And they used it as part of their advertising campaign. So they had high five as part of their advertising Whoa. campaign for the next two or three years. Uh, and so they've got Dodger posters, the high five, yeah, and, you can yeah. see, and you can watch videos and they were all doing it. And so they were all high fiving each other and doing it like, and that was part of this new excited culture. And so the high five, uh, also at this point, we'll, we'll note that magic Johnson claims to have invented it in the 70s at college right. and uh others like how my brother <laughs> is convinced he invented wearing um like work boots and shorts were like the grunge movement just because he happened to wear <laughs> right. them once right. exactly so he invented that um others have also suggested originated in women's volleyball circuit in the 1960s but neither of these glommed on to pop culture right. in the way that the 77 high five well and it sounds like after listening to him say he wasn't like oh yeah you know i've seen people do that before he seemed just kind of confused and just <laughs> did whatever so it's not like he no, was aware he, of it he, at least no they definitely did not know like now let's do a high five yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> just give me give me five uh and so so i wonder what people in crowds did up to then <laughs> you know what i mean right. like i guess hug hug uh yeah, it was, yeah lots of low fives no one ever thought to go up there <laughs> so uh so it really has become a universal symbol for greeting celebration excitement congratulations or you know you got this kind of wow. high five and so um it's been studied quite a bit actually so in Ooh. 2014 there was a fascinating study that uh, what they did is they looked at children and praise modalities and how we praise children. Okay. And so there's basically three types of praise that you can give to somebody, a uh, trait-based praise. So you got an A on that test because you're so smart, right? Uh, Effort-based praise. So you got an A on the test because you work so hard. Right. And we we have seen a lot of studies between those two and they they show that the effort based has a lot better longevity for a child than trait based yeah. because trait is who I am intrinsically. Right. Effort is something that I can change or do sure. more of or, or less. And of. if you fail, then 
it's not about it, you. Yeah. It's about I what am no I longer did. smart or right. it becomes, uh, I need right. to try harder. Right. And so the third is ambiguous gestures. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, none of my gestures are ambiguous. <laughs> thumbs up and high fives are the two ambiguous gestures that they gave. And so okay. it's not it's not you did this great and it's because you're smart or because of your effort. I'm just I'm giving you ambiguous praise. I'm celebrating you. I'm celebrating you. Awesome. Right. And they uh in that line, they also used non-gesture, ambiguous praise, like "yeah," kind of, okay, kind of stuff, right? Okay. So, wow. to measure the results of this, they measured persistence, self-evaluations, and eye fixations on errors. And so, persistence is: I'm given a task to do, and I'm I'm not doing it well, or something's gone wrong, or there's been an error. How much do I persist to move past that and keep with it and, and keep trying to, to do that? Self-evaluations is that self-reflection of like, oh, I, I didn't do that right. Or, um, oh, it's going well. And, and it, a self-evaluation of a task, if, you, if things aren't going well in your mind, like the task can be going well and you can still self perceive it going poorly. And so you can kind of, uh, victimize yourself into a bad place with it. Okay. Sure. You know, sure, and, sure. So, um, and then I fixations on errors. So, uh, as something goes wrong, um, not moving on from that and not, you know, persisting further and, and going with it. It's, I'm now fixated on that error, that thing that I did wrong, or that uh, part that I'm just not willing to move forward with. They would fixate on that. And and then there's one little part of this study. I read through the whole study. It's yeah. really fascinating. One thing that they did is also after your tasks were complete, you were exposed to the other people's results as well. And I fixations on other people's errors was also measured wow. as part of this. Okay, so it's it's <clears throat> praise. Uh, uh, they were given praise. At, okay, so they took <laughs> all these kids were five and six years old. Wow. So they took a hundred five and six year olds. And they split them into three groups. Of course, the the trait based, the effort based, and then the the uh, gestures that are ambiguous uh, based. Right. And the numbers are staggering. Uh, and so the, uh, the difference between the first two, between trait and, and effort, is noticeable. And the gestures base just skyrockets and, and really shifts wow. the, the whole, like, from, like, uh, so persistence on trait based was 46% of them would would persist on and do it uh in the 80s for uh for effort based and in the middle 90s for ambiguous gestures and so no matter what you did to mess up if i had given you a high five you stay with it wow no matter what as a 6 year old you're like I can do this. Like yeah. I have 
there's there's no constraints. It's not about my effort. It's yeah, not about yeah. the things. I just have the energy and you the, you define your own demon to overcome. Totally. You're not being told. Yeah. 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 And so the wow. high five was shockingly better than the other two. And then also in the self-evaluations and eye fixations on errors were infinitesimal compared to the other effort-based and trait-based. And and so the the study didn't start being titled this way, but it ended up being called High Fives Motivate, the effect of gestural and ambiguous verbal praise on motivation. And, uh, And so they... With science, they showed the difference of like, you're smart, you're, uh, you, you work hard versus, yeah, <laughs> right? We're and such dumb animals. <laughs> we, we are. <laughs> and, and high fives came out uh, crazy high in, wow. in the numbers. So well, if you look at every marathon, but the people lining the side, you can do it. Come on. So let's talk about sports. So there's an NBA study done at Berkeley. And what they did is they, they, they measured touches of all sorts. So fist bumps, high fives, chest bumps, head nods, like all the physical touching between multiple players butt slaps in the butt locker slaps, room all the things right <laughs> and so they they watched it during the game from from when the uh when the teams would come out to the um to the court all the way to the end of the game and they predicted wins or loses based on the <laughs> quantity of touching and they Whoa. were wildly accurate. So, Whoa. so, and it's hard to know like which is cause and which is effect. Right. But the the numbers don't lie. When a team touched each other a lot, high fives, fist bumps, head jabs, all all the things, they trusted each other and they made yeah. decisions that were team based, and they, uh, and they they trusted each other to do the thing that they you know they needed them to do in order to it is intimate it's an intimacy yeah and so the uh teams that didn't touch each other just tanked they wouldn't trust it they they made really selfish (laughs) selfish did they tell the teams beforehand try this or try this or they just watched to see who was doing what no, no no they looked at footage Oh, okay. They, okay. They weren't part of an active study. They they looked wow. at historical information and then they made predictions based on the current season based on their studies from previous years. And so they they just so they would re, they re, would annotate all the different touches between people and and uh in a 3-hour game, you know, added up to like 2 minutes of of continuous touching, you know, like you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. And each one took like a 10th of a second or a 20th of a second and added up to like two minutes of, wow. of touching. And, uh, and so they logged it all and, and they were able to show like, Oh, this team will be, uh, here and, <laughs> and all the numbers lined up. Uh, wow. and, and so it's, it's really, uh, uh, phenomenal. So, um, there is, a challenge. Uh, the challenge is 
one that I'm giving all of us to do, and that is to do a self high five. So uh, what happens is every morning uh, during your morning routine or the beginning of your day, if you're a day sleeper or whatever, uh, during your uh, first routine of the day, you're in the bathroom, you just brush your teeth, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. Take a few minutes, not a few minutes, like this whole experience is like 15 seconds long. Take a deep breath, look at yourself and genuinely just make an intention and look at yourself, not judgmentally, not critically. As if there's another person there. There's another person there. And just make an intention for the day and give yourself a high five to the mirror. And what this does, it's impossible to judge yourself or put negative attributes on yourself while you're giving yourself a high five. Try to get your face is fat and then give a high you're five. You're a dickhead. Yeah, right. It just doesn't happen. It, you can't do There's it. too much cognitive dissonance. There is too much cognitive, cognitive dissonance. And so what ends up happening is it starts to rewire your brain about how you think of yourself because you are doing this action that sets the energy for the day and tells your brain, hey, I got this, uh, and shifts uh, the, the wiring as you commence the day. So do it for five days in a row and report back to us in the Mark and Todd cast. And so uh, there is... A, uh, a lady named Mel Robbins. Uh, she's got a book called The uh, High Five Habit. And she has a uh, website called uh, High Five Challenge, H I G H number five challenge.com uh, that you can sign up and she'll send you an email each day uh, reminding you or giving you an inspiration or whatever. You don't have to do any of that. Spend 15 seconds in front of your mirror, appreciate who you are, and give yourself a high five for the next five days. Wow, I will have to do that. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, that was great. <laughs> I like that a lot. Well, it, I mean, I, I made a joke about that's just being animals or whatever, but it, it is so, it's so fascinating, endlessly fascinating, uh, especially with working with kids with varying disabilities and different levels of competence but not all like they're still good and bad at different things and like crazily good at one thing and just terrible at another and just how we are just big reactive bags of meat like we we and there are so many ways to just hack our system (laughs) well i was talking about i was talking with my neighbor last night when we were texting back and forth um and I was joking about how I just had eaten and joking because it was a shameful thing to admit how I just eaten an entire pizza and a, a quart of ice cream covered in fruit loops. And she's like, Oh, you know, I wish I could, I can do that. Cause she kind of struggles with her weight. And I was like, well, you know, technically you could, cause I, I accidentally do intermittent fasting, which I know a lot of other people do. And so I kind of explained that how like after, cause I was pretty, I was, I was almost 225 pounds at one, like, in like 2013 i remember which is crazy because like outside of like two years i've always been like 175 ish or something like that so that was that was interesting but going from that where i was hungry all the time and eating all the time to and thankful being thankfully being poor helped me because i couldn't afford all that food and so 
just kind of cutting cutting out that food and like how your body's like oh okay well we're not starving to death i guess i guess we're not dying or whatever and just how it recalibrates itself to when i'm now not nearly as hungry and like it's just so interesting our our bodies are fascinating our mind is fascinating uh and i am reading that book the the high five challenge what gets brought up a lot is about self-talk and yeah. and we are magnificent about constantly tearing ourselves down especially in front of the mirror uh, and i i personally just don't look in the mirror yeah and, i don't and, really either and uh it's probably because of shame like i interesting just like i don't look want good to, to stare, myself yeah, and it's, I'm, it's not anything valuable that i'm getting out of Under terrible fluorescent <laughs> lighting <laughs> and so um and so this shifts that a, a little bit yeah. and, and makes it like this isn't about looking in the mirror to find or fix or yeah. or repair or because uh, that is usually what we use the mirror for almost exclusively right this is just I need I'm to see looking, myself to fix this thing right. just in case. I, I need to brush it. my hair. I need to you know, whatever the thing is. Yeah. Do my makeup or whatever. Uh, this is about seeing me for me and uh, giving myself a high five. Wow, that's it's great. Like, I like that. We have some so cheering. Give yourself a high five. <laughs> oh no! What? Oh, that was you. <laughs> oh, why is my applause? Oh, my applause was laughter. I go all over. What is that? I go all over the country. People ask me. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> Dusty Baker. Ah, <laughs> uh, that was great. That is a feel good, a practical feel good thing that I think is a good, yep. a good challenge and for us all. Five days to report back. Five days. That is great. <sighs> wow. Exactly. We're it's exactly an hour. <laughs> and one minute. And yes. one minute. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. I do want to go out on a positive note. I know I gave Madame X a hard time. Now, look, <laughs> we were all fired up. We all got a little emotional. But what I and this is this is serious that uh, I didn't love the first number. So I'm hoping people don't get stuck on that one because it's a very strange song and it's about gun control and like it's all the things that whatever. But like watching. She she comes on as a George Washington in drag, which is pretty great, and doing like the whole powdered wig thing, and then like the whole second song, which is a song I like the first half of before it goes into insanity of that rap. <laughs> electric voice thing, mm. but just like watching watching her dancers in gas mask and flowers and like this, and I'm like I am so glad that she is still doing something so fascinating and weird and yeah. challenging and. Like that, it just so easy to be like, I'm singing my hits at the state fair or even right. selling out concerts because I know people will just see me, watch me sing borderline for the rest of my life or, but it's just, it's, it's, I'm glad I invested in her as the long-term artist because she's still giving me things that are fascinating and weird and cringy and interesting <laughs> and has a lot of effort and thought behind it, which is okay. interesting. And uh, this last one, like you said, was kind of bookended by uh, some quotes from the writer James Baldwin, yeah. who was really who was really great. So it is it is worth maybe speeding through just to kind of get the gist of it because it was it, it is it is good and Indeed. the number one album on iTunes right now. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> 
not anyway, the Squid Game soundtrack. Not the Squid Game. <laughs> the Squid Game soundtrack is actually really, I bet really, you that really would good. be kind of interesting. It's incredible. I did yeah. notice the music through that. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. All right. Well, I have nothing specific to play uh, on the way out. So unless <laughs> unless you do. I do will do be gay. Oh, I can. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I just have something short and sweet. Where's my... I need to reorganize this. It's <laughs> just... It's not working anymore. Oh, I barely knew her. I barely knew her. Do we have Thomas? Oh, Thomas. All right. Everyone stick with me here. It'll be worth it. I swear. <laughs> oh, here we go. I will be gay. Totally worth it. All right. Bye, guys. Bye. Vulnerable. 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 Vulnerable.